my guest today, the way that I figured or found out about him was he was bold enough to post videos of himself cold calling <laughs> on LinkedIn. And one, I had to stop and listen because I'm like, dude, if this dude's bold enough to post videos of himself cold calling, even the bad ones that don't go well, let me let me check this out. And he posted a video of him cold calling a CEO of a company, and he just absolutely freaking nailed this cold call. The first words out of his mouth were, I talked to these two people on your team, and they shared that these problems are going on, et cetera. And this executive was just blown away. So I decided to invite him on the podcast. So before we get to that, my name is Jason Bay. Welcome to Blissful Prospecting. I'm on a mission to help reps and sales teams turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're a sales rep selling business to business and you do prospecting and outbound, cold outreach to land meetings, and you're doing discovery and demos and all that other kind of stuff to close deals, you're definitely in the right place. I'm talking to Michael Neem. He is the owner at a company called Midwest Consulting. So he's in transportation and logistics and all that good stuff. And uh, this dude, <laughs> this is probably one of the funnest, most fun interviews I've done. I don't know if I've laughed this much on an interview, but he's got a great personality, very animated and just no bullshit, which I, I love. Uh, this one's all about cold calling executives. That's what he specializes in, does really well. Uh, he's going to talk about how to drop the professionalism. So if you're one of those folks that has a hard time being yourself in a sales context, whether that's calling or on sales calls, he's going to talk about how you can be more of yourself and just be more comfortable with your approach. He's going to talk about what he calls fact-finding, so how to do your research, how to target, how to develop your business acumen to the point that you can have those conversations on the calls. He talks about how he buckets his week, how he time blocks, all of that stuff. There's a bunch of really just great information in here on how to cold call. You're, you're going to like this one. So before we get to that, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it so that you can get notified the next time another good episode like this one comes out. All right. I'll leave you to it. One of the things we talked about is you was one of your first sales jobs going door to door. What, what were yeah, you selling? Logistics. I've all like, so prior to, uh, I wasn't door to door, but you know, prior to like, I guess I, my first job was recruiting, but that lasted two months and I said, screw that. But we can get into that later. But my first wow. actual like real job career was with worldwide express. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Uh, especially at sales training, but yeah, we were going, dude, we were going business to business and they were savages, man. Like I, I think about it today and I kind of like, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, we were waiting for like if there wasn't like a gatekeeper, like a secretary, it was you better walk through the front door, walk behind the desk, go to the biggest office in the back, which we thought, you know, it means executive and get the meeting. Yeah. And believe it or not, dude, that it, I mean, it was luckily I want to say is like I, I don't think anyone's naturally born at, you know, uh, with natural talent, like sales wise. But I do think you have a you're born with a, it's a little bit easier to do dumb shit like that or not dumb, but like more or less like a little less fearful. And me, yeah. my my stupidity, I feel like or my being naive was played a, a, a really big role because I'd walk in there and it's like, oh, whatever. It's no big deal. And I just walk in. Doesn't matter how big. But yeah, it taught me uh, it taught me it taught me so much, though. I'm happy I I, I, I was able to even just experience that type of selling because do that enough and. Nothing could scare you. Yeah. Let me ask you this. But when you signed up and you accepted that job, did you know that you would be going door to door like in that you did? Okay. Hear me out. So even it was a very, in today's world, people would be like, oh my God, the, the interview process is way too long. I could never do that. But it was intense, right? They made sure that we knew what we were doing. So I actually, uh, who ended yeah. up being a huge uh, mentor, but my first manager went on a field ride, right? So we went on a couple meetings and then we went door to door. They obviously don't they don't take you for like a whole eight hours, but you knew what you were getting into. And I remember sitting in the uh, like 
kind of wrapping up the day and he was letting me do cold calls. So I was like, Hey, let me, all I got to do is say, my name's Mike Nemi with worldwide express. I'm here to see the owner. Let's go. So I just started doing it myself with him and we get in the car and I was like, so let me hear this straight, man. I was like, obviously I don't know much about anything shipping wise, but you make six figures. He was a year younger than me. Right. So like 24, I was 25 or wait, no, he, I was 24. He was 25. And I was like, you make six figures. And, uh, all I got to do is do that. Go, go to businesses, ask for owners and save a buddy on shipping. He goes, well, I mean, yeah, pretty much. I was like, sign me up. That's his history. So what was the hardest part in, in that sales job? When you think about the first like three to six months, what was the hardest part for you? <sighs> Probably internal politics. Oh, Really? <laughs> Okay. That sounds so crazy, but we don't, to keep it on <laughs> to keep it on sales. And I spent like five years at the company, so great company. But I would say, dude, the hardest part was for me. I was I, I it was in the beginning. I was always I, I got really businessy, right? So all of a sudden, because we're, we're always in suits and stuff like that, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We could talk kind of like internal politics. So it was like. You know, I'm, I'm a goofy guy, right? But I, but it was more or less like so that kind of played into effect in my head because like I started getting in my head. I was like, I got to be business, Mike. Now, you know, a couple of people drop. He's goofy, and then all of a sudden, I, I'm like, I got to switch my entire being. So it was, you know, for the first couple months, I was like a douchebag, like to my even just to internally, right? You know, because it was like I wasn't getting meetings. Like I like in the beginning, I was killing it, right? Then I, then all of a sudden, it becomes, yeah. you know your mannerisms are like just little stuff, like internal stuff that bred into my actual selling. So it was like, I have to, I had to stop being business Mike. Right. So it was like, go back to you. People liked you versus this cookie cutter version of a salesperson, so to speak. Right. So I, I guess internally that battle was, was definitely a, was definitely a rough one, but I remember, the cold call or the meeting that I set that actually made me flip a switch if you want to know, but made me flip a switch. And again, it, yeah. I blocked that. So I remember, you know, I was always, I, I knew my stuff. I was very, I, I fell in love with shipping. I fell in love with the process of like how it impacts companies. Right. So I was always, I knew my stuff. So I was like, I just, I was like, again, it goes back to, I needed to be myself. Right. And I was like, I knew the script. And I remember finally I was like, fuck this. I am done being some cookie cutter sales ver uh, business person of what these people think a business person is supposed to be. I called the CEO of a company and I remember I opened it up with, I don't know his name, but we'll just say, Hey Jim. I was like, Hey, what's up, Jim? It's Mike. Um, I said, dude, yeah. What's up, dude. It's Mike. And it literally that call, just that little line broke some, I don't know, broke some barrier for me. And it was like, he looked at me as like a friend or was like very disarmed. And I ended up getting that meeting. And I know this sounds small, but it was like right after that, I was like, dude, this is who I am. I'm calling people, dude. If they don't like it, those fuck it. They don't like it, but I feel so much more comfortable. And then I started, then it was just like a ripple effect of like good things after that. It was just like, I, you could be, I could still be smart and be, and say, dude, so I guess, yeah, it was like a very big internal battle with me on like what a business person should be. I, I love that you unpack that because, and I want to, want to spend some time on this because I hear a lot of sales professionals struggle with this, man. Yeah. You know, I have kind of, cause I started out in B2B or B2C sales, excuse me, and went into B2B and my first kind of experience with that was selling to small business owners and I was selling like, you know, agency, you know, kind of services. And I did feel a need to be real prim and proper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where I wouldn't say dude or, or man, or, Hey, what's up? You know, stuff like that. What advice do you have for a rep that is maybe going through a journey? Like, like you went through, what helped you just I know that you, you shared the story about it, but what was kind of keeping you from doing that? What were you scared of that was going to happen? Well, a couple of things like one, what I was scared of was, you know, I get into this like first real role. Right. And I see these six. I, 
they weren't the people that were saying this weren't even the like real successful people. Right. So I was letting these people I'll get later into it, like how I like sticking on this. It was more fear of like my peers or again, it's so crazy because it's like I always ha- it's weird is I have a mentality of like, I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. Right. Like I just don't. And then but mm-hmm. I guess I do. Right. To some degree. I think we all do. I think we're lying to ourselves or at least. I guess I'm talking for myself. I'm lying to myself if I say it to some degree, I don't care. So that was like a big fear for me. I was like, man, maybe, maybe I, maybe, maybe I am doing everything wrong. Maybe I'm not sick. Maybe this is who I have to be if I want to be, if I want to make six figures, be successful, make more money. And then really, that was the biggest fear. And then outside of that cold call, I'm very observant, right? I, I, I love, I, I, my entire life, I've had a goal of, it sounds silly, but I remember even being like, I th- like five years old. My mom said something to me where it was like, I've always wanted to meet like two new people a day. Like whether that was a 15 second conversation or a 50 minute conversation, I just, I, and people that are outside of like who I am way different than me. It's always just been, I've always, I love the way I just love the way I just love humanity. Right. I love how people act. I like. I want to know why someone acts the way they do. So I, I observed our CEO would, who would come into town here and there and our, we were franchised out, but our franchise owner, which was a senior vice president of sales, I observed them every time they'd come in, in our, in our internal VP at our, at our franchise, how they interacted with each other and they were dropping dude shit, you know? And then that's kind of where it in my head. I was just like, these, I'm setting meetings with these people, like people, they want me to set meetings with executives like them. I'm just going to use the same lingo. Right. It doesn't the fear of like people like if you know your stuff, who cares? Right. It's like and then it's you you sound like I don't know. You just sound less salesy. So the biggest fear, though, was being different. Is it it, it, can I be different and be successful? And what turned out like, I mean, every story you probably hear more successful than what the people that were telling me not to be the way I was trying to be. So it worked out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely worked out for you. I mean, it has worked out for you. The the interesting thing to think about those <laughs> by being different, it was just being yourself. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? mean? And it's it's like being yourself is a is makes you different. It's kind of a weird thing to think about because yeah, you're the only one that can be yourself, but it's 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 interesting that being yourself is the thing that makes you stand out in sales. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That's kind of crazy you just said that. Like it's like you you know, I've never like <laughs> I think I have. I mean, no, I don't, I don't know. That's so. It's like you didn't drop like crazy knowledge just now, but you did. Like I'm just like, wait a second. That actually does make sense. Like everybody in a general, right? You are different. It's like I think yeah. there was a Dr. Seuss quote on it. It's like you are different than whatever. I don't know the quote, but yeah, you're you're 100 right. I think that, and especially to these days, not to go on a rant, but the word. So the word authentic is almost played out i think and it's like i think that people today's different is just trying to i think more people think of different is trying to be different just for the sake of being different right or let's be different like we see people like some of the people are like posting tiktok dances hey do you is what my my thought is right be you but i i, I don't want people that are struggling i get i get worried that the you know, younger generation coming up thinks that that that's being authentic, right? If that's you do it, yeah. but it's not. So, but yeah, so yeah, it is kind of crazy that you said that you just being yourself is different regardless. Yeah. It's such a simple thing, but there is fear, like you said, in embracing yourself, because I, I think a part of what might be going on with people, especially when I'm prospecting or selling, is that if I get rejected being myself, am I going to take that personally? Yeah, because <laughs> I just uh, tried to be myself and I wasn't that before, and that that didn't get meant very well. So, am I bad? You know, people kind of go to that place. I think I don't know. What do, what do you think? One hundred percent. But so that, that's a big one, man. And I, I, I'm not a therapist. I do go to therapy. Best I called. I called it when I started. When I called it my life coach. Uh, but not to get into that. But I think that. 
it's like with anything in life, right? You go through a breakup, you, your first, your first thing is to go to you, right? Is this me? It's, it's, it's my fault. It's my fault. And I think self-awareness is good, right? You know, because again, breakup, reject, like sales, you are good, right? I, I think that if it's a sales related thing on a cold call, you got to learn to just, you, that's, the, that's, that you just got to brush that off. But, you know, it, it does sting a little bit, but you got to be good with yourself before you could before, beforehand, right? I think it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a mind game. Sales is a mind game and it's easy for me to sit here and say, you know, just brush it off, but it, it sucks, right? Any kind of rejection. I know I say, Hey, brush it off. It's not a big deal, but being told no for eight hours straight sometimes is, uh, is not fun. And that could like mess with your mind. I think though, if working on yourself and not to sound like some hippie, but internally, and just knowing that, like knowing your own worth is a good thing. And realizing your mistakes, yeah. though, too. Right? So it's like, like I, I use the example as like, you, you go through a breakup, right? Uh, two sides to every story. You don't want to be like, I'm the shit. It was all, it was all that person's fault. You want to know what you did so you can grow, but you got to also be, you got to also be aware that, hey, I'm good. This doesn't make me less of a person. This doesn't make me anything uh, different. I'm still good. That's, that's the strength you need, I think, at a smaller scale for sales. Yeah, dude, there's so much that you just dropped there, man, that I think is big. I'm a big proponent of therapy, too, and I go to therapy. Yep. And uh, yeah, being grounded in yourself, this is most of the training and work that I do with companies. A large part of what I talk about is call reluctance. And when you really get down to the root of it, people are not really comfortable and grounded in themselves and feel like if this person says no to me, I'm not a piece of shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, really I'm just doing my job, you know, <laughs> you know, class. there needs to be a frick. You're so right. Like there needs to be a class of just going out and getting rejected. I'm a fr- I, 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 I yeah. just thought of that, but I just think is like, but you're so right. It's like people, it, there's a lot of things, but yeah, I mean, I think that the rejection's a lot easier when you have really good training though. And you believe in what you're you're bringing to the table, right? If I pitch someone, when I'm if I pitch someone, and I I use freight as an example, logistics because I, that's the industry I'm in. But you know, I see some people are like, "Hey, uh, can you? We have the best rates." And someone told me to fuck off. I'd be like, "Yeah, I've, well, damn, I really am a piece of shit because I didn't have anything to offer." But if you come in there crispy and you already had you unpack some value, you had some badass sales training, and someone tells you no, it's like the girl that tells you no, but you know you're good looking. Maybe I just have an ego, but you know. Yeah. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> that's their loss, right? Yeah. And you gotta have that kind of mindset though, in a way where it's like, eh, their loss. On to the next one. So I think that you know, yeah, to your point, it's that's a huge issue with, you know, especially in my industry, but I can probably see it across the board. doesn't matter what you're selling is just, you know, having the confidence of do we act, does what is what I'm doing actually going to bring some type of value. And then obviously the internal stuff of like being okay with rejection and knowing it's nothing personal. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the cold call because this is how I came across you is you post (laughs) these videos (laughs) You, you post these cold calling videos that are excellent and you got to go follow uh, Michael here on the, on his LinkedIn, if you're listening to this, but one of the videos you posted of you cold calling an executive at a company and you just nailed it, you know? And yeah, one of the things that stuck out to me though, is that I don't think people realize I work with primarily software companies, but I do work with several companies in logistics too, because there's just a lot of prospecting that those companies do. I don't think people understand how many cold calls the people you call get from people just exactly like you at a similar company, kind of saying a similar thing. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, how do you, like, if we kind of step back, how do you think about and approach a cold call what are you what are you trying to accomplish how do you prepare yourself i guess mentally for what you're about to do so yeah i mean first and foremost i wanted to i always say is you know before even the cold calls starts right like knowing my target customer right i want to know what 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 a target customer of mine looks like this is this goes all the way back to the beginning right and then it goes into what challenges can my company solve inside of logistics space, right? So those were the two biggest things. And then 
I didn't care two shits about what my company like I, I never really cared about logistics, like getting granular with it. When you say we are a commodity and people get the same calls over and over again, you're absolutely right. They call the logistics department, get added to a carrier list, offer a rate. Well, that's so small. So I thought in my head and we were trained big picture to think business wise, right? How does supply chain logistics impact the company? Uh, not only just from a micro level, but from a macro level, uh, and look at it from a business uh, business standpoint and always look at it from almost like a financial standpoint, right? Calling into executives after we found those challenges, right? So people say it's cold calling. I, I call it fact finding, right? I do. I, 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 I literally have unqualified leads. I have departments I know that are directly impacted by the supply chain, accounting, logistics, sales, have a few questions I already know that I'm going to ask, right? Leading them to the challenges because nobody wants to tell you, right? Nobody wants to tell you, hey, our process sucks, right? And if you ask someone, hey, does your process suck? Or are you doing everything manual? Especially if it's like not a decision maker, even a decision maker. But if you're asking someone that, you know, that's their job to book shipments and you say, hey, is your process manual? That's kind of, no one wants to admit that, right? So finding a way to, ask questions without offending someone, right? So gathering all this information, knowing, hey, okay, not selling anybody in the company, then reaching out to that executive with purpose. Hey, spoke with so-and-so from shipping. I know they're going to play a huge role. Also spoke with accounting. I know that they'll play some type of role. Not trying to have a shipping conversation, but you know, like I just said, as I unpacked this, 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 and that, do you understand the financial impact that's having on your company? That's a lot different, right? Going into that call to an executive versus, hey, can I, I can save you money in shipping? So always prep. That's that's my prep. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot we could spend a whole hour even just talking about that, but I want to unpack. <laughs> hey, let's Shoot reverse day. engineer some of that stuff because that's the thing that I heard you do on on the cold call videos I listened to was. Hey, Mr. Executive, the literally the first words out of your mouth was I talked to so-and-so and they shared this, so-and-so shared this with me. And it was the same talk track that you just shared. I was like, and he was like, what? Yeah. Tell me more. Like he was hooked right from the beginning because it was really clear. I use the phrase business acumen a lot. It was really clear that, Hey, this dude knows what he's talking about. He did his homework and he knows about my company and my situation. Like, let me give this dude a couple minutes, you know, kind of thing. Let's start with targeting. So when you think about targeting, is there any sort of stuff that, because especially as you've gone out on your own and started your own company, when you think about your ideal client profile, do you think of the companies you reach out to, have you taken uh, an approach where you kind of niche down and look at specific types of companies and situations? Like, how did you think about that? So first, yeah, so... uh, (laughs) I just fell into right now. It's like your your emerging growth stage CPG or consumer package goods companies, right? And before it was basic, it was a little bit more uh, broad, right? It was hey, they had to spend fifty thousand dollars a year in annual transportation, and then have some type of challenge where I can actually bring value, right? Won't get into detail like the the granular stuff, but now it's now I'm I'm. About 95% focused on emerging growth stage brands when it comes into like CPG, right? Food and beverage. And to qualify still, they have to have a, 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 a set spend of, again, $50,000 a year in transportation and um, have some type of that. I, I need to be, I need to be able to bring some type of value to the table. And they also have to be wanting to have a one-stop shop 3PL. I don't work with anybody transactional. Anybody, unless it's like a, a few one-offs or they're massive and, and, and the bang's worth the buck, but 90, even my whole career, 95% of my book of business, over $50 million of sales has been non-transactional, meaning they use one 3PL and that's me. So that's, that's, that's bucket. But yeah, merging growth stage CPG brands, $50,000 in transportation spend minimum anywhere. I think my largest one right now are working on. I want to say my largest in my in my my lifetime was 19 million, but my target would be 50k. It's about five million in transportation spend. Got it. So that I want to just highlight for the 
people listening, you're extremely focused and targeted around who you're reaching out to. That's a really big part of it. So that if you're going to do all this work to go fact finding, like you said, you know that that's, that time's going to be well spent because it's a good target. Um, So your approach, I don't know what you call it. I've heard it called ground swelling, right? Digging up those insights, bringing them up to the top, fact finding as you like to call it. So can you tell me a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Let's unpack that whole strategy because for a lot of people listening, that might not be an approach that they've tried before. Can you talk about kind of like, why would you approach it that way and and why that might work better? And then I think another thing too is how do you get people to open up about what they're working on when you're not even trying to talk to them to get a meeting? You know, that's, that's kind of an interesting approach too. Right. So Ooh. All right. I'll try to keep this concise, more concise, but, um, so it goes back into knowing the challenges that are before anything, before any call, before anything, I know the challenges that again, companies have that I can solve right through multiple departments. Right. So at a, at a, at a micro level, I call accounting because it's finance invoicing. I know I can help those challenges. So for instance, a lot of times companies that you, uh, from the back end side of things, right. From accounting, they'll, they'll be getting invoiced by multiple vendors, right. By multiple logistics companies, carriers, and they'll get those invoices, uh, coming in all sorts of ways, electronic consolidated postal service. And that's an issue, right. Especially when you're looking when you go a little deeper and that accounting person more times than not has to at very minimum, match up what the shipping department was quoted versus what they were billed. And when those don't match up, it becomes a, a, a huge issue, right? They end up prob- more, more times than that, they end up eating it just as a cost of doing business because again, everything's nothing's consolidated. Everything's all over the map. I can solve that with consolidated invoicing, tailored reports on how they break down their invoices. So that's why I'm going to call accounting because if I can get that uncovered, bingo, that's something that, you know, I bring that to an executive, uh, executive, like say a CFO and say, Hey, I spoke with your controller. She says she's doing everything manually. Um, when it comes into, you know, the checks and balances from what you guys were quoted to what you guys were actually, uh, to what you guys actually paid. She said, a lot of times you guys are just eating the extra costs as a part of doing business, just because it's taken too much time to correlate with your shipping department and accounting. Do you understand the financial impact that's having on your company? I have a solution that can fix that. So then it's like, yes, I'm still in shipping, right? So that's why I'm calling accounting. I know that they're impacted by the supply chain, not from a shipping standpoint, but again, still, I could still solve that challenge. So I love the context that you're giving too, because it helps for other people selling other stuff. It kind of helps them see the connection there. So when you say I know their challenges before I call them, you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, I broadly know, because I've done this so many times, that they probably have this challenge. Like, yeah, it's probably one or two of these things. Yeah, Exactly. So it's like, my thought, is, I just said, is the reason why I call is because, again, they might not. They might say, hey, no, Mike, we actually work with one 3PL, it's consolidated. Okay, cool. Boom, hang up. Now it's not, now I know... Why waste my time on this account? Let me, well, I'll still do a little bit more digging maybe in shipping, but again, I just know in my head they could possibly have, yeah, they could possibly have that challenge. Let's see, let's see if we can pull that pain out. And that's just asking questions in a way you say, you know, how do I get people to open up? That's something I can't really, I don't even know, man. Like I just, I am, I've always had some type of, I guess if, if I, if I, if I look back on it, I've just been able to open people up. That sounded really weird, but I've yeah. just been able to get people to open up a lot more uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my entire life. So I, it's, it's just a really hard. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to tell you, tell anybody how to do that. But I think is, I mean, corny, be yourself. I think I don't know, but just if yeah. you have some experience. If you don't, I don't know, it's just talking to anybody. I look at it as just talking to anybody, asking a couple questions and just being very direct. Like, don't get salesy, too. So yeah. a lot of people like are afraid of. Even in my beginning of my career, I'd always be like beat around the bush. Like I didn't want them to know I was a salesperson. I was like, oh my God, I don't want them. Like I was like ashamed of being a salesperson. And now it's more or less like, hey, no, I'm a salesperson. I just want to ask a couple questions. Yeah. Well, let's unpack just the logistics then. So in accounting, do you just cold call straight into the accounting department and just ask for someone to talk to? And like, what is the ask? 
there's a couple of different things. Now, like back in the day, it, it, you had to do a little bit more. Uh, you had to do it, it was a little harder. Right now, you got Zoom info, seamless AI. Shout out to Ryan if you need seamless AI. Yeah, humble plug. Uh, but no. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple different ways to go about it, right? So if anybody's listening and wondering how, say, let's just say old school, right? You, 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 because even with those seamless AI and all that, I find myself just you spec. You can spend so much time just going through all these. Who's the right person to call? Who's this? Who's this? Just call, right? So I just call. I could call into the the main line, and all I say is, "Don't tell." I don't say anything besides, "Hey, can you transfer me over to accounts payable?" And shut up. Less is more. Believe coming from me, and you don't even really know me, but coming from me, that's probably you know a little funny because I talk my ass off. But it's like less is more. Yeah, Yeah, I just call, ask for accounting, and that's kind of that's kind of it. And then logistics is a different game though, because you just said it yourself. Everybody, dude, I I I'm more nervous calling the logistics department than the CEO than the CEO of a billion dollar company. I shit you not, because they are so. They are like the hottest girl on. It's like yeah. being them would be like the hottest girl on IG, and everyone's just blowing you up in your DMs. It's like stop, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I, so, uh, what do you ask the accounts payable person? So, the accounts payable person picks up and they say hello. What's the, what's the ask? What do you what do you what do you say to them to like get them to open up? Hey, what's going on? My name is Mike. Um, with, I'm with Global Trans. I just had a couple quick questions. I know you don't deal with the shipping, but um, from an accounting standpoint, do you actually uh, are you the one who actually pays your guys' freight invoices? You just get straight to it. So you just start asking some of the more tactical questions and all yeah, that I'm stuff. Thinking, yeah, because like in my head now, though, if like yep. I don't, I don't want them to spin me to shipping, right? Because eventually they're going to say, "What's this call for?" It might get a little into that. It's like once I say shipping. I got to find a way I had to, I have to position it in a way to make it seem to, to make it pertain to what they do. Right. I look at the, mm-hmm. as the logistics department looks at shipping like shipments. Well, accounting department looks, looks at shipments as bills, right? How many freight bills, logistics bills, transportation bills. So I want to tailor it towards, you know, where their head and where their brain uh, is going to go. Right. So they know what I'm talking about. And two, they don't, you know, they, they don't spin me off to the the logistics department. Yeah. So when people ask you who you are and why you're calling, are you, do you tell them that you plan on calling their boss? No. I mean, why would I do that? Like, I mean, that's just, that's like, a. I mean, it just depends on the vibe, but I mean, again, less is more like I'm not doing anything wrong. Right. It's like at the end of the day, a lot of times if someone called, like, let me ask you, if you were working, like, would you be really mad it doesn't get them fired. It's helping them out, right? So it's like, why would if I was just, if I was to call your boss and was able to sell a deal and every you know it worked out and you your department actually ended up getting uh, benefited from you know whatever I was selling, you'd probably be happy, right? Ah, uh, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. I'm just curious on the on how you do it, man. Yeah, because I think these little details are are important. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just depends, but I do build some relationships up. Like, again, you got to just fill the vibe out, right? When it comes into like these calls, you can fill a person out and know it's just being aware of like the situation, right? Whether it was in person or we'll just stay with the call. You could tell when it's kind of getting tense. You'll, you'll be able to know when it's time to like to, to break, right? So, um, but if it's going good and, there, and, you, and someone opens up, like a lot of times, I'll, you know, the way I call logistics, I end up chopping it up with those guys more times than not, though, believe it or not, because... I'll start that conversation real quick of, hey, my name is Mike. Yes, I am a broker. No, I don't want to be added to a carrier list. I know you're probably blown up a hundred times. And it's like, I start that conversation with those guys like that. And it's more times than not, yeah. they laugh. And it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's aware. Don't want to sell them on anything. And, and a lot of times they're, they're, they know all the information, right? But they never give it out because they don't want to deal with, you know, the 99% of the people that are like, let me be on a carrier list. Let me, let me, let me give you a rate. Let me give you a rate. And I'm just calling in to like chop it up with them. So talking like that. Yeah. Those guys, like, I mean, a lot of them actually want to make changes of what I'm bringing to the table. It goes back into, but even they say, they're like, dude, our CFO, our CEO, we don't want, they don't want to go risk it. Right. They don't want to go talk to the guy or or the woman. So it's like, dude, if you can go get them, like by all means do your thing. We're not going to, we're not going to get pushed from the shipping department. So that's, that's, you know, again, it just depends on the vibe. 
Yeah. Love it. How do you keep all of this information organized? Because you're calling all of these different departments and you're getting all of this different you know, intel from your fact finding. How do you personally like to keep that organized? Yeah. So I have to be extremely detailed because uh, or else I'm screwed. So CRM is what I, I use a CRM. I, I, I don't know how people don't use a CRM. I'm very like I, I want everything to be connected. So I use pipe drive. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, every, every, every call I call, everything's connected, right? I needed that because I'm ADD. So not using that as an excuse. I feel like everybody says that, but every, every call I make every, every, so after I get on every call, say I get someone, I'm putting quick notes on it and it's, it stores it for me in my CRM. I'm putting, Hey, called this person, uh, spoke with so-and-so and just so forth and so forth. And then I, uh, again, that's how I keep everything from like a, a prospecting thing. Um, but yeah, everything sales related is through my CRM meeting notes, everything. Got it. So you're keeping track of all this when it's time to call someone more senior, walk us through the logistics of how you approach that call. So I got buckets. So before I call like, again, so there's two ways to call and get a meeting, right? One without any information. If I just say, screw it, I'm going to call, call the, Call the CEO of this company, whether I know it's a lead or not. So leads to me have to be qualified, right? But regardless, if I call that, so that's a that's a far-fetched one. I like to actually qualify. So I'll say I have 50 companies, right? I'm going to call through today. I, I, I put them in buckets. They're in my CRM. They're in need to qualify. I, I will not, I'm not going to call the CEO, CFO, the decision maker of that company now until they're actually qualified right meaning you heard the call like like you explained the call uh you heard from me where i said hey i spoke with so-and-so i uncovered these challenges so those companies in the need to qualify don't are are need to get into the qualified bucket right and the qualified bucket is where i have called accounting or logistics or a sales department nonetheless i i was able to uncover some challenges that i can solve and they fit that fifty thousand to, to 5 million in transportation spend. So now they're in qualified. So then I'm blocking off time. Again, I block off time to actually call strictly just call to set appointments. I'm really big into ratio. So I, I track how many hours it takes, how many dials it takes to qualify, to move those need to qualify into qualify. And then I'll track how many dials, how many calls it takes to book meetings. So moving that qualified to Disco or first appointment. So it goes buckets, need to qualify, qualified, first meeting, second meeting, close. Got it. And so I'm blocked. Yeah. Let's talk about that piece here. So how do you, because you're running a company too. You're doing stuff outside of selling, I would assume. Yeah. Not yet. So. so million in sales and i think that's strictly by myself uh so i have like i have people that do the operation piece for me um but yeah yeah i'm learning as we go man like like i said is i'm a i i'm not i don't need to get grant or on that topic but yeah i'm right now is i'm just solo um and moving fast clearly i could sell but yeah definitely i'm in search of someone that's going to be able to i could bring on that is complete opposite of me yeah. So how do you block and tackle your week then? How do you, how do you uh, like walk, walk me through granular what the, what a typical week might look like? So I'd be lying if I, it, it was way, it was way more uh, organized when I worked for corporate, right? Like it was like to the T, even when I got into management, I was super yeah. organized. Now it's like, I always say it's like now myself, it's still pretty organized. Like, I mean, Mondays are usually Mondays. I am, I try not to do anything, right? I try not to, take any meetings, do any selling or anything like that. Um, but I like to block off at bare minimum. I don't really do too much. I have so many leads, so I don't do too much qualifying at, at the moment, but I like to block off at least six, six to 10 hours a week to actually prosper or to actually set meetings. Cause I'm at the point now where every five calls I can, I can, I can get a DM on the phone and, and set an appointment. Yeah. So between that again, like I said, is running a, there's a lot of different things I'm doing right now. At the moment I'm spending most of my time 
doing a lot of back end work, admin work. So it's probably, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I'm running with, I'm, I'm running 150 miles an hour and at this point. So, but again, I always, it goes back into, I know what, yes, you want to keep the customers. I do have an operations team that helps me, but it goes back to, I have to keep selling at some, you know what I mean? And I, and it, it, I, so if anyone's out there listening, it's like, it doesn't matter. I've always thought that way, right? Whether it was when, when I got into management, it was, you know, no one's going to follow me unless I actually do what I say I'm doing. Right. And, and even, you know, going into starting my own company, it was like, you got to always sell, right? That's what puts food on the table. So I always want to make sure that I have that, like I said, six to 10 hours of, of at least setting appointments so I can always have something in the pipeline coming. And is that time spent calling the entire time? Yeah. I mean, I, wow. I, I, I do it out in like, dude, I can't do anything. I, I usually would say two hours at a time, right? I like to strictly just don't do, I don't do anything else. I don't LinkedIn's off. Everything's off. I'm just strictly calling because you got to be, I don't know, at least for me, I got to be focused on what I'm doing. Cause if, if first minute I'm sidetracked, it's like, you're out of it. Right. So I'll do time blocks either two hour at two for two hours or, or set them at like one hour. Mm -hmm. So during those call blocks, are you using a dialer? Are you dialing from your cell phone? What are you, what are you doing? My cell phone, I got a phone. I, I should probably hook that up, but yeah, my, I'm just, I'm literally just dialing from my cell phone. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's, I, mean, I know there's definitely probably faster ways to do it, but I'm not going to get that picky. It's like, it ain't that hard. Yeah. So one out of five, you'll get one out of every five connects or one out of every five calls that you make, you get someone on, like what's it, what's a conversion rate look like for you? Pretty much. Yeah. Five, I could, if, if it varies depending on the week, but ratio right now is every, it varies to like five to nine calls. I can, I, I'm booking an appointment with an executive level. Yeah. And that's connects or just calls, even if the person doesn't pick up. Oh, I don't even track. I don't track the connects. But every yeah. six or five to nine dials, every five to nine dials, whether, yeah, whether it picks up or not is yeah. my ratio say that I'm actually getting an appointment. So whether they pick up or not, okay. the is coming. That's crazy. That's that's really good, dude. Because the pickup rates probably ten percent, twenty percent, maybe tops. You know, I'm not. Call, I'm usually yeah. directly on cell phones. But I mean, again, maybe that's something I should track. I don't know. But like, yeah, people usually pick up. Um, so, <laughs> how do you conduct the the cold call to the decision maker? How does that usually work? What do you mean by that? Yeah, how do you when you when you get the executive on the phone? What does that cold call sound like? Like, what's the? How do you kind of compartmentalize the call? How what do you open with? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, basically, a CPG company. If it's someone I work with, it would be like, "Hey, Jim, it's Mike with it's Mike with Global Trans." I'm sure, you heard the name. Uh, reason for the call was though, um, I work with uh, I work with I One Organics, similar to your company. Um, I handle all their logistics, but um, I had actually a good conversation while I was, uh, you know, last week speaking with Jim, who you got your, uh, your shipping manager. He was telling me right now that you guys are actually utilizing a mixture of different uh, logistics vendors. Um, and it's taken them a ton of time to, you know, go out for every single order you guys do. I was curious, um, do you know the financial impact that's having by diluting your buying power using a mixture of different vendors? I'm just going what will a prospect respond with. What what will they say usually? I don't handle logistics, and that's when I. That, so I've already, so in the beginning, I used to just go off the bat, but I'll. That's where I'll go reiterate. Oh, listen, I I, I get it. You're not the person that you know is definitely you know out back you know booking the shipments. But like I said, as I had that good conversation with Jim last week, um, I know that he's going to play a huge role when it comes into you know if this thing moves forward. Um, from, from the day-to-day -day stuff, he's going to be my guy to, uh, that's going to, you know, spearhead this thing. But what I'm just looking to do is, you know, you're the CEO of the company. It, this is financially impacting your company. I'm able to maximize your buying power, definitely save you some money. Um, I know I called you out of the blue, but again, can we get a set call next week, Tuesday at 10 o'clock and then just shut up. So I just acknowledged that he's not the shipping person. I understand that I did my homework, right? I, I, I reiterated that 
I get that. I spoke with Jim. Again, I said that. I spoke with Jim. I know he's going to be my guy moving forward if this thing goes anywhere. But again, what you're doing now, you're the CEO of the company. What you're doing now is currently financially impacting your company. I can maximize your buying power, definitely save you money. I Again, I know I called you off guard, right? I'm looking to just set a, a 10 to 15 minute conversation next week, Tuesday. How do you look? So took the objection, told him I listened to the objection, set it back to him, right? Offered, uh, let him know his, out, or his current situation is impacting his company. Gave him a solution, a brief solution that I could fix that and definitely save him money. And then offered him a time. Yeah. What kind of objections will you typically get? That that's a huge, that's the biggest one. As soon it's like crazy. It's like, as soon as I say anything, logistics, supply chain, don't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> don't hand like, that's the biggest yeah. thing. So I just learned I've, I'm already prepared for that. That's why I, from when I started to now is why you'll hear me already throw out the, I've already talked to this person because sometimes that just takes away the, the objection, right? I like to say, take away the objection before they give it to you, but they're still going to give it to you. Right. Yeah. It's like a lot of times people, don't, again, people don't really, are, are they listening? Right. Or is it just like, nah, I don't, they heard logistics and just tuned it off and said, I don't handle that. So that's why, again, I'll say, like I said, I already had that conversation, but yeah. that is the, that's the biggest objection or, yeah, you know, you get to, I, there's no time. I don't have time. And, and, that, that, I mean, again, what are you going to do? Right. You could keep calling, but it's like at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, a real object, like those aren't even real objections to me. I don't think like real, like uh, the logistics thing is an objection, right? Like where you'll, that person isn't hanging up on you and they, you could probably, you could probably, uh, you can rebuttal that. Right. Cause it's healthy. I, I love objections, right? Like real objections to where someone actually lets you rebuttal that objection of to why, it is they should still meet with you because those are always the good meetings, right? Anybody that takes your meeting like that doesn't offer any type of objection, at least in my industry, they probably meet with everybody. I want to meet with the people that don't take meetings. Yeah, that's interesting. So what, do, what will you say to someone if they're like, ah, no, I don't have time for this. You caught me at a bad time or I'm about to step into a meeting or I'm not interested. How do you handle those you know, kind of shallow brush offs? If they haven't already hung up, I'll be like, listen, I get it. I called you out of the blue. Um, real quick, I've been in the industry 10 years, been doing this long enough. Are you just telling me that uh, just because you don't want to talk to me because I'm a sales dude or are you really going into a meeting? Hey, I'll, no harm, no foul either way. And shoot your shot, yeah. right? Dude, it's like a lot of times yeah. you'll hear people, it's like they'll eat some, I mean, more times than not, people, I'd like to think more humans are like chuckle. It's like, you know, just depends, but at least I want to give myself the most, I want to put myself in the position to where I am always happy, giving myself the shot to, 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 to win. Right. And it's like me just, if they tell me they don't have time. Okay. I could easily hang up or I could press harder one more. I could press till I, I can't press anymore because I got nothing already. Right. So what, what am I losing? What do I have to lose is my th- mindset. It's like, Press now and maybe get it or don't press. And you're definitely not going to get the meeting press till yeah. press till you can't press anymore. Right. Or so that's how I've always thought about things. It's like, I mean, I just posted a video I got hung up on and it just goes to show you, it doesn't work. All, it works less times than it do- actually works, but it does work as you'll see in the video, but hung up on me it just goes, I don't, I don't handle that or something. And it just like hung up on me. I called him right back and said, Hey, I thought we got, I think we got disconnected. My phone dropped. Yeah. You know how awkward that is for that person? Like, so yeah. put that person in an awkward situation. You, the salesperson, should always I love I thrive, right? We should at normal if salespeople should be thriving in awkward situations because and obviously the new people haven't been in there yet. But like if you're a weathered sales rep, you should be thriving in those situations. You've been in way more awkward situations, at least if you've actually done the work. You've been in way more awkward situations than most most people you're calling, right? So most people don't want confrontation. Yeah. Most people don't want to be in awkward situations. So that, they have a decision. Are they going to admit they hung up on me because they sound like an asshole? Or are they just going to let me take the blame because I'll take the blame? Hey, my phone dropped you. And I got that meeting. <laughs> 
There's so much wisdom, though, in what you just said, though, in owning, taking ownership over everything. Yeah. It's like everything's my fault as a salesperson. Everything's my responsibility, unless a prospect's being, you know, an idiot or, you know, an asshole to us or whatever. We have to set boundaries. (laughs) I say take the blame and then uh, you can tell the people where you know flat out you're not the one to blame, but you take blame and then they believe it is your fault. Those are the people you're just like, they're not even self-aware. It's like, fuck off. But either way, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'd rather just take take them. It's easier, right? It's, It's less stressful, too. Yeah. Dude, this has been a great conversation. I want to make sure we got some time. I got some uh, fun rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm nervous. Okay. Yes, I am. (laughs) So this is just kind of a fun question. It's specifically related to prospecting and outbound. And it's not that we have to choose, but it's kind of fun to ask. So if you had to choose between phone, email, and social, what do you pick and why? Phone. Old school millennial with a baby baby boomer work ethic, man. And I'm a savage on the phone, so phone. What's something you believe about sales that most would disagree with? Cold calling is, in fact, alive and thriving. I don't think people saying cold calling dead. Oh God, they're broke, or they're not, or they shouldn't be in sales. But either way. Sorry, it's rapid fire. Keep going. (laughs) Uh, Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself as a rookie sales professional? Don't don't uh, it's don't take high hopes, low expectations. I love that, dude. This has been great, man. It's been great jamming with you. I'm like I said, big fan of your content and the stuff you post on LinkedIn, and I recommend everyone else follow you but where where can people go to check you out is linkedin the best place to do that i mean where can people yeah, go to connect I, with you linkedin uh or my um twitter i'm follow yeah follow me on twitter i got like 38 followers and uh my parody account that uh they have more than me uh so follow me at midwest under dash uh mike 87 um instagram if you want to get a little bit personal know me on a personal level it's midwest mike 87 uh facebook i barely go on but you can see some really embarrassing photos of me back in college uh just michael francis nimi um but yeah social would be my biggest one or youtube too midwest my i'm starting my youtube we got two dudes uh no script with me and my boy colin that drops every saturday a new video um it's there's literally what it says two dudes no script we just kind of talk about sales stuff life we just chop it up uh, midwest mike is the youtube channel Check me out um, for all their content. But yeah. So you are becoming a YouTube influencer. I was joking about it earlier, but this is like, this is a thing, dude. This is a thing you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> dude, no. I I, uh, I don't know if you watch UFC. What is, uh, real quick, what is, what did Sugar oh, oh, yeah. Sean, what did Sugar Sean used to call himself? Uh, the unranked, the unranked champ. Oh, I can't remember. Like, yeah. I don't yeah, follow him yeah. quite as closely, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I, I gotta fall. I gotta I gotta come up with something. But yeah, no, I don't want to be an influencer. I mean, hell, if I can make money, it's all about like to me. I, I'm very upfront about that. I want to make money, but in order to do that, I want to provide value, right? But influencing, dude. I mean, I'm just your. I'm. I, I, hey, I am. I'm a nobody. I say is right. I'm just a dude that wants to pay it forward. Yes, I want to make money, but if I so happen to become a, a, a get a massive following. That's awesome. But again, it goes, it would, it would go back to my personal beliefs of never forgetting what got you here. I got that tattooed on me, by the way. And real is rare just to throw those 10 bits up, but follow me. 